You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Getting the most out of your chair time has always been important to a practice, but with COVID, it's even more of a priority. Today, we'll be discussing how to maximize chair time with the use of CBCT. Our guest is Brent Garvin, Senior Product Manager of Imaging for Plenmeca USA, with over 20 years of software and imaging experience. He is knowledgeable in x-rays, CBCT, sensors, imaging, and cosmetic software. Before we get started, I would like to thank our sponsor, Planmeca. Planmeca's unrivaled product portfolio covers everything you need to optimize your digital workflow for your high-tech dental office. 3D and 2D imaging modalities together with digital dental units, CAD CAM systems, and software. Planmeca provides a cutting-edge, complete digital solution based on the capability to network all digital dental equipment with one software platform. For more information, visit planmeca.com. Brent, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Uh, thank you, Phil. So efficiency has always been a buzzword in dentistry. There's no question dentists want to be efficient. They want to save time. They've got so many things going on and so many products, materials, equipment. Anything that could hold them up is going to be additive to, to the whole issue of getting the patient finished and out of the office. So why is it more important than ever in the midst of this pandemic to focus on efficiency? Well, you know, when it comes to efficiencies, it's it's probably more important, I think, than it ever has been in the past. Um, because as you know, with um, with what's going on today, the, the cleaning protocols may have been extended uh, in between patients. So more time and effort is being put into the turnaround time uh, between patients. So that's really having a, a big impact on the number of patients that maybe a, a dentist season a given day. So obviously efficiencies is, is very important right now, given the circumstances. In fact, I just saw a recent um, dental analysis um, from the industry regarding where things stand right now. And sadly, um, the average GP out there is seeing a reduction of, of over 30% in their, their patient load. And, that, and that's obviously due to patients being forced to stay home, right? Uh, maybe they're not comfortable going out just yet, so they're 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 returning back to the dentist, which is great news. But sadly, they're they're down thirty percent. And then when you look at the numbers and you dive even deeper into it, Phil, what we're seeing is is they're saying that um, over forty percent of those patients are what they refer to as like a backlog patient. So basically, they put off their their treatment that they had planned, you know, pre-COVID. Uh, maybe they put off their hygiene appointment. And so they're now coming back and they're taking up 40% of the chair time today for the dentist. And so that's a, that's a large number that they're trying to obviously make up for lost time. They've got restricted time um, with that patient now um, because of the cleaning protocols. And then the last thing that really affects my category of what I do um, as a product manager for Plan Mecca, is that imaging category. And the ADA during COVID basically, you know, kind of changed the game a little bit, which is probably for the better of the industry moving forward. Um, they asked clinicians to rely more heavily on extraoral imaging versus intraoral. So today the gold standard is intraoral, it seems to be. 
and they asked the ADA, hey, let's take a step, the ADA asked the, uh, the dental industry, let's take a step back and rely a little bit more on extraoral imaging because what they found was is, you know, with intraoral x-rays, a couple things are happening. So sensor films going in the patient's mouth and that induces almost like a gag reflex, a, a response that they didn't want the patient to cough, right? Um, second problem with, with intraoral imaging and the challenge that they were having is um, the operators leave the room, right? So when you do a, a series of images, Phil, you're putting that sensor in the patient's mouth and then leaving the room, taking the exposure, coming back. And so there's a lot of back and forth that they really wanted to uh, limit for the clinicians. So the best practice was leaning more on extraoral imaging, which they may not have done in the past. So now if they have a panoramic, they're relying on that a little bit more. If they have a 3D machine, they're relying on that a little bit more. So it's just changing basically how, how you know, dentists are practicing today. They're relying on things they may not have done so in the, in the past. So for um, Plan Mecca, what is your role regarding CBCT? And how does that play into the ADA's recommendations, what you just discussed? Well, I mean, when it comes to those those backlogs of, of patients and all of that, um, we're seeing that you know the dentists are really trying to maximize their their time with the patient, right? So when it comes to products like like Plan Mecca's, you know, we give them other options and things that they can do with their machine that other machines can't. So, for example, like a panoramic machine, they can take extra oral bite wings where they're getting APC to APC, third molar to lateral on every single one of their patients. And there was uh, five, five major studies done from four major universities that have proven to the industry that these extraoral bite wings from our product are just as effective as intraoral x-rays, in some cases even better. And then when it comes to 3D imaging, I mean, doctors right now today with our products can actually take a 3D image at less radiation than they can taking an intraoral x-ray, for example. So it's really, really changing things uh, for the dentist today. Yeah, I was gonna ask you that. So diagnostically, when you think about an intraoral film versus extraoral, especially when I went to dental school, there wasn't even a comparison. You couldn't, right. you couldn't make a real diagnosis endodontically or even carries in approximately um, from an extraoral film. But um, mostly we were looking for bone lesions and, and, and so forth. So you're saying that today's technology in CBCT, you could take extra oral radiographs and actually diagnostically get the same efficacy as intraoral. You're saying they're equally or better. Well, efficacy and, 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 and accuracy are, are, are completely uh, game changers. I'll give you some good examples. Um, Periapical lesion detection, right? So um, today, if we were to take a sensor or a film image of a patient, sadly, the studies have proven it has an accuracy rate of 25%. The best studies that I could ever find for you, Phil, put an intraoral x-ray at 40% accuracy. The only thing, the only thing that's truly 100% accurate is a cone beam. That's a 3D image. It's 100% accuracy. The worst study, I think, puts it at 80%. But regardless, it's statistically insignificant how, how different those two 
numbers are. I mean, to give you an idea on the medical community, can you imagine if, if we were having a conversation with uh, a group of cardiologists and, and they were told by the manufacturers that we've got a gold standard and it's 25%. I, I think everyone would head to Paris and figure out really quickly <laughs> how they're gonna change the medical community if a device is at an accuracy rate of 25%. But sadly, for years, it's been the standard. So yes, it's more effective. The studies have proven it over and over and over. And, um, and so now it's, it's a, a better re result for the, the patient, better treatment outcomes for the patient, uh, better diagnostic capabilities for the clinician. Speaking of radiation, every company seems to talk about low-dose radiation. So how is it that it's this technology provides this type of accuracy that you just described with a lower radiation dose? Well, that's always been the challenge, Phil, in the industry is balancing a diagnostic image and a diagnostic quality image with radiation levels, right? So that's been the delicate balance the industry's faced for years. And um, I would say back in like 2012, 2013, the industry really tried to tackle low-dose imaging protocols. So they really looked at radiation levels, which they've been doing for a long time of lowering the amount of radiation. Well, if you lower the amount of radiation, you're gonna lose image quality, right? So that, that historically has never been proven to be a successful game plan for dentistry. So manufacturers created what are called low dose protocols. And what they did is, is really actually kind of cool is they lowered the amount of radiation, they lowered the resolution to the image, and they took what are called these quick scans. They're really fast scans. And so rather than taking like a 14-second scan around the patient's head, they travel around in about four seconds and two seconds, really fast scan times. And then they take less frames because they have less time, right? So the result was a lower dose. The problem was all of the studies that were done on all the machines that had these low-dose protocols, Phil, is they found one thing in common. They successfully lowered the radiation levels, but they also were accompanied by low dose or uh, low uh, image quality. So basically they ended up being almost useless images. And if you have it, you don't really end up using it. So what we did at Plan Mecca is we took a, a, a deep dive into this because we wanted to lower radiation, but we didn't want to sacrifice image quality, right? That's the delicate balance. So what we did is we've created a protocol that allows the machine to scan really, really fast, but we still take the same amount of frames. So rather than taking 400 frames and dropping down to 200 frames for a cone beam image, we still take those same 400 frames. Our results with independent studies, um, like for example, at the University of North Carolina, they proved that our machine actually dropped radiation levels nearly 80% without a statistical loss in image quality. And that's a huge game changer. So when you take a, a low dose scan on our machine or you take it at normal, you can't tell the difference diagnostically, doesn't matter. And that, that's a huge breakthrough in our, in our industry. It seems to me that a dental practitioner should, just on that radiation reduction alone, should be really seriously incorporating this into their practice. Because if they know that something's out there that delivers less radiation with the same or more accuracy, it's almost the responsibility of the doctor to make sure that they're providing this type of radiology to their patients. Does that sound right? 
Yeah, and I, and you know, I probably should clarify regarding that that dose amount that we're talking about, just so you can you know understand what we're talking about level wise. Um, I want you to think of the number ten, right? So the number ten is the amount of microsieverts that you and I get on a given day. So just live in our lives. You and I receive about eight to ten microsieverts of radiation. Okay, when we prescribe an intraoral periapical digitally, we do that. It's about nine microsieverts of radiation. So every time you press that button for an X-ray it's about a day's worth of radiation to the patient, okay? Now that stacks up over time or multiple images stacks up, you know, obviously with, with multiple images, but it's about a day's worth of radiation. We've successfully driven down the radiation levels, Phil, so low that I can take a 360 degree view of your tooth for as little as three microsieverts. I can take an image of all of your patient's teeth for the same radiation level is taking one digital x-ray inside the mouth. That's a huge game changer right there. And, and barring COVID, it doesn't matter the pandemic, moving forward, this is, is a game changer moving forward. Even, even as we get through these times, this is, is a big breakthrough for us. Yeah, no question about it. And having the 3D capability and the accuracy of, of seeing what's going on, the level of confidence for oral surgeons, for doctors that are doing implants, for treatment planning, oral medicine, uh, and tooth decay, for that matter, just yeah. basic restorative dentistry. Um, there's just no comparison. So that was well well explained. I appreciate that, Brent. Let's talk about going back to COVID for a minute. What did offices do before and how has it changed moving forward with COVID as far as image protocols? Are we talking, you know, I'm talking about infection control, that kind of thing. What's what's the change there? Well, the on the infection control side, there really hasn't been some major changes regarding that. What they're referring to was relying more on the extra oral imaging, not not necessarily from that infection control portion, although they were leaving the room, but giving that dentist um, an alternative. Um, because maybe they're going to get one shot, right? So that patient's in there for a limited time. We're concerned about safety and the environment of that of that space. So if we can take an extra oral image, maybe we can gather more data and more information and we get one shot. Well, if I'm going to take one shot of the patient to get it right, why wouldn't I maybe consider taking a 3D image, like I said, where I can get all of the patient's teeth? I've got a super FMX right there on my screen versus going through 18 images with the patient. I mean, it, it, it's really changing dentistry altogether and we're doing it safely. And that fits mm -hmm. into my last question and that's chair time. We all know that what are we offering? It's our time. You know, we all have a skill set, but we have a certain amount of time in the day to get it done. Now, of course, there's the change of the patient pattern of how many patients we see in a day. Like you mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but going forward, COVID is going to be over. We're going to go back to our normal protocol. The chair time is still extremely important. It affects the bottom line in a big way. Talk about the difference between standard radiography, digital radiography, and using the type of external radiography, uh, CBCT, that we're discussing as far as chair time. So I, I would label it almost like you know doing more with less, right? So right now they're struggling, as you mentioned, with um, having less patients in the in the chair, maybe they have less time with the patient because they're trying to fit that in 
the day. So they have a lot less because of the circumstances we're in, but moving forward, they're able to do more, right? So, um, you know, if levels stay where they're at or they creep up slowly or whatever, those that are using this sort of technology don't have to be terribly concerned about those amounts of patients that are coming back. They can actually do more with the patient load that they currently have. So as we come out of this and we start seeing more patients, it's just a bonus. But if I can get your accuracy rate from 25% to 100%, that's a bonus. Um, you were an endodontist. If you saw what the AAE uh, published years ago, a few years ago, they saw that if we took a 2D x-ray and then we took a cone beam of that same patient, we changed the treatment plan 62% of the time. That's a huge number. Hmm. So you combine that now with incidental findings rate, right? So worst case scenario, you take a comb beam, 50% of the time, you're going to see something else. I'm just wondering whether that treatment plan was changed to treat or not to treat or a combination of both equally. You know, I, that I don't, I don't know the details of, you know. Well, well that's an interesting thing you bring yeah. up, Phil, right? Yeah. I mean, it, with all due respect to, to, to our industry, we can either treat, retreat, or do nothing, right? So those are the three things that we're faced with. And that study was staggering because it's like, okay, you got a 33% chance of being right. You picked it 62% of the time. It was wrong. Hmm. So you're right. W what were they doing? Were they either extracting the tooth, right? Maybe they couldn't save the tooth. Maybe they found that there was a, a, a missed canal or a short fill, and they were able to give the patient the proper outcome by changing that treatment plan is what that study mm -hmm. interpretation. That, this was great information, Brent. We're going to end the podcast. I was just curious to know what percentage of the dental population are currently using this CBCT in their office? Like, what, What's the penetration right now, just to give our audience an idea? Yeah, I would say if you look at, most want to say that it, it, it's very, very high, and they would say it's probably under 30% around there. But if you dive deep into the numbers, um, it's probably sitting more at about 15 to 20% are okay. using home beam technology. So we're a long ways to go. And I think it's because of that radiation factor, it's being comfortable with the technology. So Obviously, education is very paramount to this being the gold standard moving forward. Radiation and education. Yeah, absolutely. yeah I think it's all going to fall into place where doctors will be using it. But there's two things going on. One is uh, the concept of what you talked about as far as COVID accelerating the concept of extraoral radiographs being using CBCT as accurate or more accurate than intraoral. But then you have the other side with the financial issue of the dentist not being at work. And some of these dentists are pretty strapped right now trying to keep their staff on and not yep. seeing as many patients. So you have two things going against each other. When this all gets fleshed out, we, I think we will be in a position where as a profession, where we'll be able to take advantage of, of the incredible benefits of what you're doing Absolutely. at Plameca. I mean, Plameca is a great company. And for those interested in learning more about Plameca, as I mentioned earlier, go to, I, I believe it's planmeca.com, right? Yes. Okay, very good. Brent, they hire some good people over there. You're amazingly Thanks. informative. Very articulate, and uh, I wouldn't expect anything less from a company like Planmaker. Thanks very much. Bye. for your, Yeah, thank, we really appreciate your time. Thank you.